I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Roslin Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. Craig Parkinson, actor and award-winning podcaster, joins me this week. From being the caddy in Line of Duty to hosting Two Shot Podcast, he's a man of many talents and many showbiz tales. He tells us what it was like when he shared a flat with actor Daniel Mays, what Rob Lowe is really like. We talk about John Sim and Grace, so many TV shows and films that he's been a part of, and how much he loved being in Doctor Who. I do hope you enjoy. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. I love Craig. I love Craig. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I love you, dear, dear Craig. Hello. Hello. Good morning. There's a song I wrote just for you. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're impressed with the words and the tune. Just, just, you know, the, the lyrics... You know, I love, you know, that's really nice. It's a good way to start the day, Gabby. Thank you very much for that. The sun is shining. Oh, lovely, Craig. Do you know what's so so wonderful is when you get to speak to somebody that not only is a mate, but also you admire. And I have that in in heaps for you. I, I And every time I see you in something, because uh, we've known each other, I worked it out. It was mm. um, 19 years ago that we first, over 19 years ago we first met. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'll share uh, that bizarre yeah. story in a sec. But <laughs> but every time I've seen you in anything ever since, and obviously I've seen you in real life and I've interviewed you and all the rest, I have this sort of big sister proud feeling. You're just oh, so dear. good, Craig. Oh, that's so lovely to hear, Gabby. You it's very rare people say that to you, you know, when, you know, when you're working and... Sometimes you work with directors and you want a bit of feedback and they just go, yeah, right, okay, move on. You go, oh, is that all right? Because we're constantly sort of worried that we're not delivering the goods. <laughs> just go, can I have a bit, bit of feedback, please? Well, there's your feedback. I think you're bloody brilliant. You are such a fine actor, but you also, you bring everything, your own 
edge and I don't mean that I don't mean that that you're an edgy actor but it's as if you could play the same part that somebody else is playing but you give that little bit more well I suppose I try to I always look for I like it when there's a sense of danger and whether that's comedy or drama because the actors that I admire are ones that you're not quite sure which way they're going to go which direction they're going to take so I always try and look for that in a character because there's it's always a bit boring otherwise if the audience are one step ahead of you do you know what I mean yeah no I do and that's who so who do you admire then <gasps> well it goes back to I mean I was a big admirer of James Stewart when I was growing up because he oh, seemed to word. he seemed to be somebody that could kind of do anything you know, he was great at comedy, fantastic at drama. He could break your heart. He could be in a Western. He could dance, you know. And I, I don't have all those skills, but he's certainly someone I looked up to when I was growing up. Do you know I didn't think you were going to go there? Didn't you? Where did you think I See, that's what I'm talking about. You didn't think I was going to go there, did you? No. Where did you think I was going to go? I thought you'd go to Brit Grit. Things like that came later. Like when I first sort of saw David Thewlis and people from the north on the telly. And, and that was when reality sort of hit and there was a small possibility that, oh, maybe I could do this for a living. You know, I think with the with the Jimmy Stewart stuff, it was more oh, what an act, it, like a proper Hollywood star when I was watching, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. And I was a big fan of... Harvey when I was growing up although I didn't it didn't um hit home to me how deep that film was and it's a film that kind of grows with you as you grow up and you gain sort of more life experience because it's quite a dark film as is it's a wonderful life really you know it, it breaks your heart but there's a certain darkness and an edge to that oh there really is but there but that's interesting though because you're talking about you you use that word that I said about you edge and and all the characters, I mean, I, I went back and yesterday I was watching bits. Obviously, I've seen you in nearly everything you've done. Well, no, not everything, because that would be a bit weird. That'd be a little bit stalkery. <laughs> um, but, but I have, and I watched um, a short that you made, and I, I watched some clips uh, when you were playing Tony Wilson in Soul Boy, and, mm. and I was looking at lots of things, and I just thought, yeah, you have that surprise as well i'm going to use that actually not just edge because i think it means that sounds like i mean that you're an edgy actor and you're not but you surprise people the way you you spin a role i think you did that with the doctor who and that's why everybody was talking about it recently that's the the thing that we all saw most recently is the grand serpent oh you, yeah what a spin you put on oh what a role and it was written for you I know, I know, I don't. I still have to kind of pinch myself when I'm when really? doing interviews. Yeah, because that is just... I mean, it's one thing to be offered a role. It's another thing when the creator sits down and goes, now, kind of, right, I've got something for it and I'm going to write this for you. What What? What do you <laughs> want? What you? And I said, well, I just want to sort of... Wouldn't it be good to raise some hell? And he went, okay, he's going to raise some hell. This is going to be fantastic. I'm going to leave it with me. And I just put all my trust in Chris. And then all of a sudden, this part came back to me. And uh, I thought, I can have some real... I can go there with this. I can have some real fun. And 
you know, I'm always quite scared of 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 going too big in front of a camera because you know when you you're in front of a camera, it's like right, keep it small, keep it truthful, keep it believable. But wait a minute, this is Doctor Who. This character's called the Grand Serpent. You know, he's got to have some sort of theatrical energy to it. So I just sort of lifted it and tried to give it a a fun but dangerous spin but yeah I mean it was just an absolute gift it was a joy to go to work I must admit I could tell and also all the interviews that you did around it as well I mean it's incredible how the the whole the whole thing then rolled into you being the next Doctor Who I think you would make a great <laughs> Doctor Who but but it sort of rolled out of all proportion didn't it it suddenly overtook you it's as if people forgot Line of Duty and, well, and yeah. Doc Cotton I mean, let's be honest, Gabriel. A friend of mine says you're going to have Doc Cotton on your gravestone. Yeah, you are. I mean, no, no one's ever going to forget it, and I'm certainly going to forget it because it, you know, it, it kind of changed my life and my career. Yeah. Really, I've got to admit. But that whole Doctor Who, you know, speculation. Um, they love it, don't they? Everybody loves loves getting a list together of who's it going to be, and inevitably, it's never anybody on that list. And to be honest, I blame Dermot O'Leary because he was the first one to mention me being the new Doctor Who. I just sort of laughed in his face. I went, no, it, it, it would never happen. And anyway, I, I'd probably sooner be the master, if I'm honest. Come yes, you, yes, 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 yes. You'd make a brilliant master. But also, Jodie is a mate of yours. So um, it, it, it's a, she'd be a hard act to follow. You would be a brilliant Doctor Who. But I, yeah, you're right, the master. But also, I love the Grand Serpent. I, I you know, it, it, it just, you could well, do anything, really. Well, you know what, you could. You know, it, the Grand Serpent's still out there. He's lost somewhere. He's not dead. There's a possibility he could always come back and annoy some other people. You never know, Gabby. You know what it's like. So, so if you speak to Russell T. Davis, who's now Mr. Doctor Who again, just give him a call and say, you want to come back. Oh, I don't know. I'd be too embarrassed to do that. Shall I do it? I never kind I'm going to do it now. Yeah, you you do you do it. All I'm going right. to do it now. Do it. I I never I, I never kind of push for for those things that I think you know if you're wanted then it'll come to you. I'm going to I we'll actually see, have but... his. I'm going to do it. Shall I leave him <laughs> Please <in there>? don't. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so embarrassing! I probably, no, I won't. I said I'm a proud big sister. I'm not a pushy big sister. No, you're no, I'm not, not a pushy. But I won't. But do you know what? I won't. Regardless of whether he does come back, what an absolute joy to be involved in that show, and also at long last, it's something that my son can watch because, apart from being the voice of a rabbit on Watership Down a few years ago, <laughs> he's, he's he's not allowed to watch anything that I do because it's all a bit adult. Oh, how is Hardy? Ten, I can't believe Hardy's ten. Is he? Am I right? Is he ten? Hardy is ten. He is 11, eleven at the end of May. I can't believe the years have gone so so quick. He's very very good. He uh, he's got into all things anime. Oh right, and okay. Japanese and. He's just had his first Japanese language <gasps> lesson over half term. Oh, my word. So forget your French or your German. He's going straight into uh, learning Japanese, which I think is a tall order. But if his passion's there, then why not? I love... I, I remember um, you'd, when you just had your baby boy, and I remember speaking to you and you said, 
I, it was something along the lines of, you just sounded completely annoyed. You said, I've got a baby. I've got a baby boy. <laughs> yeah. I still, I still think that now. Well, I think all parents sort of feel like that. But I remember going out just after he was born, because he was born at home. And I, I went out at the front door to make some phone calls and let sort of people know that he'd arrived. I remember looking out and every, like the colours were different, uh, you know, over the countryside where I used to live. And I just think, wow, everything's kind of changed. And everything does change from that moment, doesn't it? As a parent, yeah. everything changes. It ceases to become about you. you all your your efforts and your passion, your energy is, is just about somebody else now. But um, yeah, I'm sure all parents feel like that, I think. Don't yeah, they? they do. Do you know what's so weird is when I was doing all my research, I didn't realise how young you were when you came to London to go to this school, when you went to Mountview. You were only 17, yeah. which is only yeah. six years older than he is now. <laughs> oh, God, that is terrifying. Isn't that weird? Think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was times when I I did think, oh, I, I think I'm maybe too young to be doing this, you know, to be going to drama school. Maybe I need a bit more life experience before. And I remember thinking there was an older guy, an older guy. There was somebody who was 21. Oh, like, very old. I remember thinking, very old. Hey, he's, he's old, isn't he? <laughs> but no, I don't regret a single thing. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now. Oh, I just, I, well, I'm so pleased you did make that move. But you did, you didn't have this burning ambition to be an actor when you were very young, though, did you? Because you said it sort of, you saw people and then it crept up on you. So you didn't sit there at five years old thinking, oh, that's what I want to do. I, I, to be honest, I don't think so. I don't remember. I remember always wanting to sort of make people laugh and being very chatty. Um... And I, you know, I did. I, I loved the world of acting, but whether I thought it was a possibility that you could do that for a living so young, I, I don't think so. But you know, there was a. I remember as a teenager when you know, clocking off was on the telly, and everything was Paul Abbott and every cracker, and everything was very northern. I just thought, well, this actually, this could be an avenue I could go down. It was. It, it suddenly seems pretty cool to be a northerner and not just in the world of television and you know low budget british films but the music scene as well everything was very northern and cool i thought oh, is it? i think this is quite a good time to be a northerner actually so yeah watching watching northerners on television and watching plays that are set in the north suddenly makes you realise actually it can happen for me. In the same way Rob Beckett talks about he saw comedians who were like him, he thought, I can do it. And, you know, Asian actors who say, ah, there's somebody like me, I can do it. We all need that, don't we? Yeah, I think it's really important to to be inspired when you're growing up. Um, and luckily I had that. And, you know, yeah, things like stand-up comedy, Rob's right, you know. And Rob came from a very sort of working class background. So it's good to know that things like that are a possibility for, for one so young. Oh, completely, completely. For you, though, your your big break, I mean, you know, you, you did The Bill and Holby and, and all of those sort of shows, which are great training grounds. And, I mean, and it's television rep, Gabby. That's what it is. Television it rep. It is, but so important. It's very sad that those two shows that I've just mentioned aren't on anymore. Television's changed yeah. dramatically. 
Oh, absolutely. I was talking to somebody about that the other day on an interview and saying how important the training ground was, the build, that you could go in there, and not just for actors, but for writers and directors and yeah. crew, and you could go in there and learn, from, from certainly from an actor's point of view, learn how to act in front of a camera, and, and you could afford to sort of make those mistakes there. But yeah, it's really sad that it's not around anymore, to be honest. But there's other things, you know? Yeah, yeah, but television has changed so dramatically. There was a thing uh, recently all over social media where um, the National Theatre were moaning about the fact that the streaming services were taking actors away from the National. And nearly every actor that you and I know replied with, uh, hello, you've never auditioned me, and lots of jobbing <laughs> actors. Um, so it, it's you do get the feeling that the streaming services have changed. And obviously you've been in huge things on streaming services as well do you feel positive about television and film or or and i know you do theater as well i've seen you in theater uh I we'll mean, talk about that in a moment but do you <laughs> feel differently about television and how it's changing um i feel very positive because oh you do Good. you know te television uh, you know yeah uh, you know over the years i've i've dipped my toe in film but television is where i've kind of learned so much and built fantastic reputations and relationships with people because that's what it's all about it's about building relationships and gaining trust with new producers and directors and that's where it's been and now there's so much more there are so much more many more platforms so that means there's more work and there's more reputations to make and relationships um i feel really positive about it to be honest and i think with regards to rufus at the national saying that i think he just needs to cast the net a bit wider and not make everything london centric you know oh completely i absolutely agree with you about that i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, so we're going to obviously uh, talk about Line of Duty because it would be remiss of us not to. Um, I am an OG. Now, as you know, I'm one of those people who, when it first started, I can't believe it was 2011. That doesn't mm. really make sense in my head. That's not, I don't understand how that can be 11 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it started super small, very low budget um, from World Productions, who I'd worked with in, I think they gave me one of my first jobs. You know, it's independent production company. Which was that? Which was that one? It was my first, one of my first jobs was a show that World did that was called Attachments, um, which was I only I think it only ran for two series. It was a I think it was about an internet startup company from what I remember, and I think I had one scene and I had to go in and deliver a cake. Somebody thought I was delivering drugs. Oh, hilarity ensues because there was a big mix-up. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I was twenty-one. Yeah, but so to wow. come back and work with them again. But all we knew, right? All we knew at the start that these scripts 
was some of the finest scripts that any of us had ever read. And me and Martin were talking before our audition because we'd we we were great friends prior to Line of Duty because we'd done like two or three films together yeah. prior to that. And I rung him up and I said, "Look, you've got." We, even though we were both auditioning for the same part, I rung him up and I said, "You have to audition for this. It's the best script I've ever read." And then he read it and rung me back and he went, "Right, will you meet me before and we'll go over lines together?" Because we were both auditioning for Steve Arnott, yeah, which which was. To look back at it now, it's just like there's only one person that can play Steve, and that's Comston, you know. Um, and then when I was offered Dot, I had to sort of get over my initial slight disappointment, but my joy as well for my close friend who was going to be playing that part. And reread it with Dot in mind, and went, "Oh, this is great!" And I yes. get to work with <laughs> I get to work with Morrissey, who I didn't know. I get to work with Lenny James, who I was a massive fan. So you've got an amazing cast and a brilliant script and we had no expectations for it at all and we just went in there went to Birmingham and we all became this lovely family and it was an absolute joy to go to work because it always was on that show even when we transferred it over to Belfast it became something else um but yeah what a you know you sometimes you want to forge those relationships at work and you want to get on with everybody but that just can't happen because it isn't life but um with this we kind of just struck gold for for so yeah, many did. reasons you know yeah and and also the friendships live on you and vicky and martin and you know it's oh. so lovely and then you did the the podcast the recent podcast and um it's there's so much love for that show. You'll mm. you'll you'll forever be a part of it. I remember ringing you just before what happened to you. I mean, there's no spoilers now. You know, people know what happened to. Oh to God, Doc yeah. It, look, if they don't know the by caddy. now, then <laughs> something needs to be happening. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you just catch up fast because, quite frankly, I don't care if there's a spoiler because it was brilliant. But I remember ringing you up and screaming because I think <laughs> I'd interviewed you just before, and you said yeah. I can't tell you anything, and then. Off camera, you said, look, I, I said, what's going to happen? You just And you looked at me, you went, don't ask me. And then I remember ringing you in real life or leaving you a voice message or something, just mm. screaming. <laughs> it, oh, it was just brilliant. And that, that was another of those moments where I was the super proud big sister. It was, oh, wow. But then oh, I know thanks, it upset man. you when you weren't a part of it because you said it was tough to watch in the beginning. It but then was, you did the podcast yeah. and you were a part of it still. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if it had gone on any longer, I think we would have been sort of hoodwinking the audience or taking the audience for fools, which is something that Jed never does. You know, he um, he wants to be one step ahead. He wants to make the audience work for their drama, which is what he does. Yeah. Um, but I, it was hard to watch uh, season four, I must admit, because... It took me a bit of time because I was thinking, look, there's all my mates yeah. and they're going into the office, going into the work, and why aren't I there? I should be there. But, you know, it was the right time to go. And it was, I mean, I've had some brilliant exits in films and TV shows, but that has to be up there with the best of them, you know? <laughs> it was, it actually was. And if, if anyone's listening to this and they haven't seen it, just go back for that alone because it was phenomenal. But also, Right, let's right. Let's tell everybody about how we met. So, <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> so, you and I were part of a team of people with lovely Danny Mays, 
Annie um, Mays. Who I, I just loved, Annie. I love that mm. you two are still best mates. It's great. Oh. Alistair McGowan yeah. and Claudie Blakely. Claudie and, Blakely. And I was pulled in at the last minute to play, unsurprisingly, the middle-class wife of Alistair McGowan. And it was taking place in a cul-de-sac. And it was one of the worst written comedies I think I've ever ever read in my life. <laughs> and we did, we did the, this run-through... Yeah. In Riverside Studios, mm-hmm. and how maybe it was about a week or something that we all worked together. But I completely fell in love with you and Danny. It was so lovely because we still all, all know each other now. But mm. it was the worst thing ever, wasn't it? Yeah, but it didn't matter because we, you know, I was talking about forming friendships and relationships with people, and you kind of want to. But we all really did on that. That was the first time I'd met Danny. Um, I'd known Claudie first time I'd met you and Alistair, but we all just got on with like a house on fire. It didn't. It ceased to become about the script. I don't know if you know. So if you've ever YouTubed yourself or Googled yourself, there's no. obviously you were in the show with Rob Lowe, and and oh my God, Rob Lowe, I can't help but go swoony because of about last night and. St. Elmo's Fire and, oh, Rob Lowe. Of course, yeah. Rob Lowe, I mean, Rob Lowe. But there's somebody from their car filmed you. <laughs> Have you seen it? It's no. Just, <laughs> what am I doing? You're just walking with Rob Lowe. And it says, um, Craig Parkinson and Rob Lowe, walking. Uh, it is, so, you're obviously filming the scene and somebody's got their phone. And I must have watched, I think I watched the whole thing and then I watched it again. And I was in hysterics for no other reason that it's just random. Craig Parkinson and Rob Lowe walking. In, in where were we? Where was it? Where did we film that? I want to say Buxton. It wasn't Buxton. It was somewhere. Yes. And we were filming it in Boston in Lincolnshire. Of all places. So why? No, so this was Wild Bill, wasn't it? I mean, you you know, you get a phone call and go, "Do you want to come and do an episode of this show with Rob Lowe?" Basically, is he's transferred to Boston, but not Boston in the US, Boston in Lincolnshire. Again, hilarity ensues. I don't think it did. I didn't watch it, but I had a few nice friends on it. My friend Tony Pitts was there. I thought, well, this will be a, a nice a nice month away. Turns out Boston, Lincolnshire, not a great place to, to, to go, to be honest. Please tell me Rob Lowe was just... Did you stroke his face? Because he's one of those people you want to stroke. I know it sounds pathetic, but he's one of those actors that I think if I was to interview him, I'd just say, can I stroke your face, please? Do you think if yeah. I said to, do you think I, if I'm doing a scene with Hollywood star Rob Lowe and I said, Rob, do you mind if I stroke your face? I think <laughs> I was an absolute nutter. His lovely, <laughs> smooth face. I mean, the geezer still looks like he's 21. That's what I mean. That's what no. I mean. He's he's a, a he's just he's. I want to. Stro- I, that's there's other things as well, but it's just the stroking the face that I think of. Easy. When I think of Rob Lowe. He's 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 a he's a very good looking gentleman. That's all I will say about Rob Lowe. Oh, there's so much now I want to ask you. <laughs> we'll have to edit it out, Gabby. Oh, my God. What was he like? <laughs> he was a gentleman. He was, oh, was totally he? fine. Yeah. Yeah, he was absolutely fine. I think you should host a comedy show, a comedy quiz show, comedy panel show. 
Gabby Roslin, you've hit the nail on the head. Yes, I should do that. So, now, but can I tell you that doing Would I Lie to You was one of the most terrifying experiences. Now, this was before I started my podcast. So, the one of the worst things that actors, so actors, the the job only finishes for an actor when they do interviews, like they come on your radio show or they go on this morning and have a chat. They don't like it. They really don't like it because they don't really like being themselves, okay? Yeah. So when I was asked to do what I like to you, that was the first time I'd sort of been on any panel show as myself. So I was absolutely terrified. But it was such good fun, I must admit. Although I did speak to my dad the next day and he said, uh, oh, yeah, I saw you on uh, on Would I Lie to You. I went, oh, oh did you? Was it all right? He went... You looked very nervous. No, I went, cheers. That, thanks, you Dad. Didn't. Thanks for that. I know. I'd, I asked other friends. I said, did I look really nervous? I went, no, you look, you look like you're having a laugh. I went, oh, yes. good, good, good. Thank you. Yes. No, just. But yes, no, you're, you're, you're dead right. I should. That's exactly what I want to do. I really want to do presenting, Gabby. Do you know? I know that? you do. I know because we talked about this. And you, because you do two shot podcasts, you've really honed it into a. I mean, it is excellent. It was from day one. And I remember you sending me the link to the beginning and you said, this is what I want to do. And it surprised me. Did it surprise you how much you loved it? It really surprised me, you know, because, I mean, I'm always one for taking myself out of my comfort zone and trying to learn and put other strings to my bow and expand, you know. And you're never too old to start learning something new. So when I started the podcast, I don't think it was great from day one. That's very sweet of you. I don't no, no, think it, it was. was. No, 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 because you had real I, conversation. I, but well, yeah, there's one thing I have a conversation, but I had to learn over the years, and it's been like five years now how to how to really listen, I suppose, and how to be myself, but also be a version, a, a slight version of myself, because. And, you know, and I was always afraid of, of giving too much away or saying something that was personal. But that, I suppose that's what connects the audience and that they like hearing stories and about people's lives. And, yeah, I, I, it has surprised me, to be honest, how much I love it. And, you know, I've got – it's only myself and my producer, Griff, and we're just really lucky to have – great conversations with great guests i mean you've been on it as well i'm very proud to say that your episode is brilliant you're very lovely but you listen some of the people you've spoken to it's not just the superstars like nicole kidman because that caused you know a big wow he's got Mm. nicole kidman but but i love the chats with i mean i love the one with you and vicky and the one with you and uh jody coma as well i just oh yeah there's a a tremendous warmth you've got that thing whatever that thing is you have it but i think i think you need to come up with a a comedy show and put it on dave and i think you should host it i think it's a very good idea but it's it's very fashionable right now isn't it to have stand-up comedians as hosts yeah so I, i don't know how cool it would be to have uh an actor uh, but you're funny known, known, known for his drama i people don't know that i'm funny oh, don't be silly yes they do <laughs> yes they do we'll see we'll work on it maybe me and you should put our yeah, heads well, together I, and think but of i want you to come thing. on um you've got to come on we're doing um uh gabby's talking pictures live in the theater and uh you're gonna have to we're once a month for four months at the leicester square theater so please will you come and be on the panel 
A hundred percent. I would love that game show about films. Perfect. Two things I adore. Okay, well, you can choose. Whose team would you like to be on? You can choose. You can either be on Keith Lemon's team or Emma Kennedy's team. Oh, Emma Kennedy, because one of my first ever jobs, which was a sitcom with Claudie Blakely, uh, that was for BBC Choice. Do you remember BBC Choice? Yes, I do. So it was before it became BBC Three, and Emma Kennedy played my big sister <gasps> in an episode. Right, of, perfect. Uh, a sitcom. So yes, Kennedy all day long, and she's all super right. That's smart. fine. With your with your podcast and with your acting and with you wanting to be a presenter, I, actually, I think this is I think this is the way to go because I think a lot of people, if you pigeonhole yourself, it's very difficult. But how do you plot what you do next as an actor? Because you can with your podcast, but as an actor, do you have any sort of? No, I think I think it's I think you want to hide into nothing, really. If I mean, you can try your best, but this is a, a a business that is kind of out of your control. You know, you I always say to younger actors, you know, one of your greatest strengths is to say no to a job if you if you mm. don't feel that this is gonna educate you in any way or it's gonna be fun or you're gonna get something out of it or it's gonna be people are gonna see you in a different light that just say no because that's the power that we have so it's all about saying yes or no um but you know no i i i, I try not to i try not to i know what i would like to do what is that? That's, What's that? Well, I want. I don't want to. As you say, I don't want to be pigeonholed. No one ever wants to be pigeonholed. But, but yeah. you are. I mean, I, as well, you know, in my early twenties, I started out doing comedy because comedy was all I wanted to do. So mm. I was doing, you know, doing workshops with like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost on on brilliant scripts. And then I was popping into to do an episode of Black Books or you know other bits and bobs and then all of a sudden you do one bit of drama that everybody sees and you go oh he's he does dark and edgy doesn't he right get him in that get him in that and you want to see after I left Line of Duty the amount of scripts that came through that was all about coppers and even to this day you know up until last year I remember not not turning up not turning up not taking a job because um (laughs) He was a dodgy copper. It's like, no, come on. Everybody will yeah. guess that. And I've done it now. I've done it before. But going back to what you were saying about presenting, years ago, it was like, well, actors do that. Stand-up comedians do that. And radio presenters don't cross over onto t- t- television. But now I think everybody can do e- anything. You yeah. can do everything you want. And you, you see it now. I mean, look what James Corden's done. He's an actor, but now he's, he's a huge talk show host in America. That's one example. That wouldn't have happened 10 or 15 years ago. Would you go to the States? Would I go to the States, Gabby? Yeah. Apps? No, I don't think so. No, I think that ship sailed. I mean, really? Oh, yeah. No, Why? I, look, because. It would be like, uh, as many actors say, it's like starting again out there. And I'm very happy with the quality of work that I get here and the relationships that I forge, you know, in my career. Um, 
it's quite a big upheaval. I'm 46 next week, Gabby. I, I haven't got the Happy time or the energy to do lovely. Thank you, darling. No, I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I think if you're called over, if something major happens in your career and it, it, it takes you out there, like it happened to my friend Matt Berry, that he did what we do in the shadows and that takes him out to Toronto. So he's got a bit of a name out there now. But that happened for him. He didn't seek it out. He was very happy doing what he does here. And I'm the same. I'm very, very happy uh, and settled um, on British television. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love hearing that you're very, very happy. That that actually, that really, I, 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 hearing you say that is wonderful because that's what you want of your mates. You want to hear them say, I'm very, very happy. I mean... I, I, I'm not happy all the time, you know. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm just, we just right now. Be, but, yeah. But right yeah. now, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy, and oh. you know, I, I I'm, re- I feel really fortunate to be able to love what I do and and get to work with brilliant people. Come on now, share a, a ridiculous story. I love the story. Now, is it mm. Danny or is it you that does the Michael Jackson dancing? And I mean, you two living together. That's, yeah, just... I mean, that that's that. The, all those stories are for another podcast and an X-rated podcast at that. No <laughs> doubt, yes. I don't want those that, stories. You don't I want do. those podcasts. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe you do. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, Danny is uh, the mad Michael Jackson fan. My goodness me, he is. Did you have party after party after party? We had one party to end all parties um i believe an outside wall may have come down i don't know how that happened there was certain stains in the carpet that never came out and it turns out that um i mean so many so many people still talk about that party and the people still come up to me and go i was at that party i went i do not remember you being there (laughs) No idea. You are brilliant. Thank you, thank you, as always. Oh, thank you, Gabby. It's lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up next week, the wonderful author, Jacqueline Wilson. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions and music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one of them and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>